it's 7 o'clock on a recent evening in the capital of Nicaragua. Some of the factories are shutting down on the outskirts of Managua, and thousands of women and men are pouring through the factory gates. These are some of the workers who make the blue jeans that you wear. Most of them are cramming into bright yellow buses to go home. But another group is gathering around a man with a bullhorn. Some look angry. Others seem almost dazed. Until a few hours ago, these Nicaraguans were part of the global economy. They were hunched over sewing machines inside a factory that's owned by a consortium from Taiwan, and they were making brand-name jeans for department stores in the United States. My interpreter translates. We just want to let you know that we're backing your struggle. We're backing the struggle for freedom of organizing. They cannot play with our dignity as workers. Dozens of these workers have just been fired. The rest are worried they'll be next. Three years ago, they formed a union in the biggest factory in the Taiwanese consortium. It's called Chentex. They began demanding better working conditions and more money. But now Chentex is retaliating. One of the union leaders has called this impromptu rally. It is important that you, the workers, resist. Um, don't be provoked, because I know right now you're under a lot of harassment and a lot of psychological pressure. They're putting gangs to pressure you. The women at this rally say that Chentex has fired hundreds of union members in just the past few months. And now they say managers are purging every union supporter who's left. The one in the pink dress is saying that the company owners are making them sign papers to say that they're voluntarily resigning from the union. And this is a lie. They're making a sign these papers. There's a woman who's been standing at the fringes of this crowd. And it turns out she's a supervisor on the factory floor. She says she's come to the rally so these fired employees know she sympathizes with the union. She says the working conditions at Chentex are terrible. And the operators, they cannot go uh, away from their post more than three minutes. If they have to go to the bathroom, they have to rush back. And if they don't come back within that time, the, then the, the Chinese supervisor sends me to get them. Well, it makes me feel bad because, for example, if someone is not feeling well and they need to be going to the bathroom, it's really horrible for me to go and get them out of the bathroom. The workers at this particular rally are struggling to save one union in one factory in Nicaragua's export zone. But they say they're really fighting to save a whole labor movement. Since late last year, at least four different companies have suddenly fired union leaders and members. The union in the Chentex plant is especially important because it's been the strongest until now. One of the women at this rally says, look at the label on your blue jeans. Do you have Bugle Boy or Cherokee or Gloria Vanderbilt? Did you buy them at Target or Kmart or Kohl's? She and her friends might have made them. What we want to say to the business and consumers in, this, in the United States is that we have formed unions because we're, we're not going to take this repression anymore. And we want to tell them if they are going to buy a pair of pants, then that they know where it's coming from, that it's coming from the exploitation of us. We couldn't go inside the Chentex plant or get the factory owner's side of the story. Executives of the Taiwanese consortium that owns Chentex would not talk to NPR. 
They didn't respond to more than a dozen phone calls. Nicaragua is the poorest country in Central America. More than half the adults don't have any job at all, or they can find only part-time work. So back in the early 1990s, the leaders of Nicaragua came up with a plan. They decided, let's become the blue jeans production capital for America. They're using the same tactics that other poor countries have tried when they're desperate to create jobs. If you own a foreign company and you're willing to make your clothing in Nicaragua, the government will give you space in this huge industrial park that's protected by barbed wire and guards. Your company won't pay a single penny in taxes for at least the first 10 years, and you can pay your employees the lowest wages in the region. They're less than half what you pay in Mexico. They call this the free zone. And the free zone of Nicaragua is it's not only an economic help for the country, but it's also a social benefit for the people. That's Gilberto Wong. He's the spokesman for Nicaragua's president, Arnoldo Aleman. Companies from all over the world have set up shop here. And Wong says they're giving jobs to roughly 25,000 workers. Most of them are young women. The free zone generates mass employment for the Nicaraguan people. Especially, it gives the opportunity to women uh, to join the industrial force. Uh, we're not going to say these are the best jobs in the world, but can you imagine all these women being at home, having children, not working? But the way some employees tell the story, Nicaragua's made a kind of pact with the devil, and they say they need unions to protect them. It's impossible to really talk with employees on the factory grounds. They're scared they'll get fired for talking with a reporter. But some of the workers who still have jobs in Chentex and other companies agree to meet on one of their rare days off. They gather at this community daycare center. This center is actually a tiny house on a dirt road. It's one of the more solid houses in the neighborhood. It has cinder block walls and cement floors and a toilet. Many of the workers live in shacks made from scraps of plywood and rusty sheets of metal. The floors of their homes are bare dirt. They say they got jobs in the foreign blue jean factories because they wanted a better life than this. But they say they feel like they can't take it anymore. These people came to invest in Nicaragua. And we, the, the people of Nicaragua, were happy that they were coming because that meant work for us. And yes, we, we need those jobs. But they came with this way of being so arrogant. Just a week ago, I, I saw how this supervisor, Meng Fang, um, came to this one woman worker. The woman was doing this um, pockets, and then out of the 100 pockets that she had just done, the supervisor picked two, and she said that they were done wrong, and she went to the, to the worker and, and slapped this one woman on the face. But most of all, these women talk about the crushing hours and the pay. They say Chentex and other factories force them to work huge amounts of overtime, and they make about 70 cents an hour in return. It's impossible to confirm everything these employees say, but virtually all the two dozen Chentex workers we interviewed tell pretty much the same story. This woman's schedule is typical. 
She says she gets up at 4.30 in the morning. She washes her family's clothes and dresses her children. Then it takes her about an hour to take a bus to the factory zone. She starts her sewing machine by 7 a.m. sharp, and she says the managers often make her work until 7 at night. She says she does want some overtime. She needs the money. But she says the managers sometimes force them to work seven days a week, and they occasionally have to stay until midnight. Another woman in the group bursts into tears. The pressure is so much. I feel so tense and so, so nervous. I, I feel like I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. The women at this meeting are the quintessential employees in the blue jeans plants. Most are 20-something. Some are single mothers. One woman says her partner beats her. They don't all belong to a union. And the ones who don't say they're afraid that would get them fired. But everybody says they support what the unions are trying to do. Look, one employee says, some people might say, what are you all complaining about? Wouldn't you rather work in a factory, even if the conditions are bad and you don't get paid much? and have no job at all? No, at least for me, as a woman, I work, I support my family, and, and I like working. But that doesn't mean that gives other people the right to come, and we all always have to say yes, yes, yes for everything, and we'll have to be bitten and, and hit, just like a dog when it gets hit and then it just moves its tails and comes back. No, we're, we're not going to do that. That's, that's like slaves. That's pastime. We came to the point when we said, it's enough. And that's why we formed the union. In most poor countries, the people who make your pants and shoes have never seen a real union. Nicaragua is different. In the late 1970s, a group of rebels called the Sandinistas overthrew the longtime dictator, and they called on peasants and factory workers to organize. Their socialist visions eventually crumbled, partly because they fought a long war against U.S.-backed guerrillas, and then they held democratic elections, and they lost. But many poor Nicaraguans have held on to that notion that they have the right to form a union. A lot of women in the factories will tell you that this is the voice that really got the union at Chentex going. Her name is Gladys Manzanares. She's twice as old as most employees. She's 52. After a rally one evening, Manzanares relaxes at her house. She lives in one room with her six children and two grandchildren. She says she's embarrassed to talk inside because she didn't have time to clean up. So we chat under a huge almond tree. Manzanara says that right after they organized the union of Chentex, she and the other employees began pressuring the Taiwanese managers to make changes, changes that used to be unthinkable. For instance, they got a place to sit down during lunch. They used to have to eat standing up. They got the company to install air filters to take the cotton dust out of the air. The Taiwanese managers agreed that whenever an employee has a baby, They'll give her about one week's extra wages to help out. And if somebody in your immediate family dies, you get six days off with pay. This is very different from uh, other companies where there are no unions. I mean, if a woman has a child, so what? There's nothing happens. And we're also able to get hot water in the building so that we could make coffee. 
and then we could make coffee anytime we wanted. This seems little, but these are really big changes for us. But the more the union gained, the more Chentex resisted. The way Manzanares tells the story, company managers tried to kill the union softly at first. Early last year, one of the top managers asked Manzanares to meet her at a popular hotel. Luego, ella me saluda, pero muy cariñosa, salamera. So this woman, Doris Escalona, you know, was there, and she greeted me very, very caring, in a very caring way, and she was, oh, giving me hugs. And she started saying, ah, Doña Gladys, would you like something to drink? And I said, no, thank you. Would you like something to eat? You must be hungry. And I was thinking to myself, hmm. She says the Chentex manager finally got to the point. The woman told Manzanares that the company would pay her roughly $25,000 if she'd quit the union. It'd take the typical factory worker 25 years to make that much money at current wages. And I actually looked at her and, and sort of laughed. I thought to myself, poor woman, I mean, she, she doesn't know how to value human life. When I said to her I didn't want the money, she just smiled. And she said, ah, oh, Doña Gladys, why are you such a simple person? Since the Taiwanese managers wouldn't give an interview, it's not possible to confirm this story. But documents from sources close to the company and the government generally reinforce what Manzanara says. In any case, Manzanares didn't quit the union, and the union members didn't back down. In fact, they began pushing for higher wages. Chentex refused to negotiate. And that's when the real trouble began. A few months ago, the union called a three-day strike to try to pressure the Taiwanese owners to bargain. The company called in riot police armed with automatic weapons. Nobody got hurt, but since then, Chentex has fired between three and 500 workers, according to the union's leaders. Gladys Manzanares is one of them. You know, she says, she has more skills and experience than most factory employees. She probably could have found a more lucrative job. I have one son who's very resentful of, of me. He feels because of my work with the union, I've sacrificed their lives. And it hurts me. It hurts me a lot when my children say to me, we're not eating well. And um, that hurts, but I feel like my son is jealous. I think he wished he would have me all for himself. But I keep telling him that I wasn't born just for him, that I was born for many other people. An independent human rights group in Nicaragua has taken the Chentex case to court. The group's lawyers charge that the Taiwanese consortium and other export companies are breaking the law by systematically crushing the unions. At this point, the union of Chentex is essentially dead. And the human rights group says that the Nicaraguan government is colluding. In one case after another, union leaders have asked government officials to block the firings. And in virtually every case, the government has backed the company owners. Activists say you can see some of the possible reasons why at construction sites in downtown Managua. The Nicaraguan government's building a fancy new headquarters for its foreign ministry right on this corner. 
and the government of Taiwan is paying for it. There's a big sign with a Taiwanese flag. Go a few more blocks, and there's Nicaragua's most important building. It's the brand new presidential palace. This palace was also a gift from the governments of Taiwan. And now Taiwanese investors are talking about building a new industrial complex in Nicaragua worth $100 million. But the president's spokesman, Gilberto Wong, says none of this has anything to do with Nicaragua's policies on unions and Taiwanese blue jeans. No, that's not true. I mean, what happened in the first zone had nothing to do with the support that the government of Taiwan had given to the Nicaraguan people through the government. The, the investor in the free zone are private investors, which had nothing to do with the Taiwanese government. And Wang says nobody's trying to break any unions. It is a lie. I deny that, uh, that the owners of the factory here are violating human rights. The factory is uh, complying with, uh, uh, with labor law, with uh, good treatment, with human rights, and with worker condition. So I don't see why someone say that here we are having a human rights problem. Basically, everything flows in from this end of the factory. The rolls of fabric, thread, buttons, zippers. The Taiwanese company wouldn't talk to NPR, but another blue jeans maker opened the door to his factory. This is Craig Miller. He's American. And human rights activists say he's one of the owners who's trying to crush the labor movement. Last January, a few dozen workers in the plant got together and formed a brand new union. Miller fired the new union's leader the very next day. And over the next week and a half, he fired the rest of the union officers, along with most of the employees who backed them. But Miller says the only reason he got rid of those employees was because they didn't do good work. These people were fired. It was not because they were doing it. It's because they were poor workers. They had poor quality, poor efficiency. We need to do it for business purposes. Uh, the next thing that I find out is, well, we were part of a union. Um, as far as us trying to bust a union, that's inaccurate. Miller suggests that there's a bigger message beyond the particular battles between factory owners and the unions. He said you can't look at what's happening in Nicaragua from an American perspective. It is true, he says, it's hard working on the clothing assembly lines. And yes, the workers don't make much money by American standards, although they do make as much as Nicaraguan nurses and police. And yes, Miller says, many workers can't afford to live in anything more than a shack with dirt floors and two chairs and one light bulb. If I wasn't here, would they have two chairs? Would they have food on the table? Would they have the electricity to put on that light bulb? This is a country that is just starting to grow, a country that is basically going through its own industrial revolution. Um, you know, go back 100 years in the United States, the conditions that we have today are certainly not the way they were then. You know, and, and these people were born into this lifestyle as well. It's not like they were living uh, in palaces and then came to this. For a lot of them, they're seeing the conditions improve, not deteriorate. It's 6 a.m., just outside the gates of the free zone. Buses are swooping in and out. They're disgorging the tens of thousands of workers who are about to start another day on the Blue Jeans assembly lines. There's a massive stream of men and women stretching as far as you can see. They're jammed shoulder to shoulder. They're shuffling through the gates toward the factories. And they're largely silent. Just about the only voices you hear are the children hawking tamales. Suddenly, a woman tugs on my sleeve. We'd met the week before at the daycare center. 
She had been working at Chentex, but she says the manager called her to his office and gave her one of those forms denouncing the union. And when she refused to sign it, he fired her. Now she's starting a new job at another factory for 30% less money. Sometimes, she says, she fantasizes what it'd be like to get the perfect job and earn lots of money. I dreamt once that I had my house. And I would like to have all the things that I've wished for, you know, like a TV for my children. They love to watch cartoons. Um, I would like a fan, a bed, a table, those things that I've always wished for. Just a few weeks ago, labor leaders in the United States announced that they're going to back the union battles in Nicaragua. They see them as a symbol of what's coming next in the global economy. They're going to send money to the Blue Jeans workers to help fight their legal battles. And they're going to pressure chain stores like Target and Kohl's to refuse to sell clothing from Nicaraguan factories that fight the unions. Meanwhile, owners of the Taiwanese consortium have announced that they've changed their plans. A few months ago, the Taiwanese declared that they were going to shut down their factories in Nicaragua and move to another country. They didn't want labor problems. But now that they've managed to neutralize the union, they've decided to stay. I'm Daniel Zwerdling for NPR News and American Radio Works.